Good to see you all. Um, welcome back, those who've not been able to come for a little while. And um, before we have our, our reading, I thought I'd do a little bit of an introduction. This Easter, um, we celebrate it in a world that's felt a bit more fragile than I've experienced in, in my lifetime. In my lifetime, there's not been war in Europe. Uh, in my lifetime, there's um, maybe not been as much uncertainty about world trade. In my lifetime, there's never been a greater time to have concern about climate change and how we look after God's world. Um, in my lifetime, there's never been a pandemic quite like we've experienced. And, and it's into this world, this gritty, messy, confused world, that um, we celebrate Easter. I was um, in the week hunting for an image which I couldn't find, and it came a little bit too late. Um, it's on the front of the Church Times, and it's from um, Chernihiv. Someone might be able to pronounce that a little bit better in Ukraine. But this is a, a bombed-out church. You'll see uh, a few sacred remains, those of you can see. You'll see a cross, a few crosses. You'll see a lot of rubble. And I know about this bomb site, but in other bomb sites like it, you might see uh, the mud mixed with blood. It's into this context that Jesus, our saviour of the world, came in person, into the mess of it all. In fact, if he can't bear to be in this sort of mess, for me, he's no saviour at all. Jesus came as a humble servant. He came and drew near to us in our mess and in our confusion and in our destruction of the world and to, of one another. And he came with hope and love and mercy. Before we rush on to the accounts of the resurrection, which truly are remarkable, let's remember the lengths that our Jesus, the real Jesus, came to rescue you and me. Chris. So this morning's reading is taken from the Gospel according to Luke, chapter 24, beginning at the first verse. Jesus has risen. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, 
The women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee? The man must the Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women, because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away, wondering to himself what had happened. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, What are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. He said to them, How foolish you are, and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going further. But they urged him strongly, Stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, 
he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, Were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, It is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them by them when he broke the bread. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Chris, thank you so much. We um, had a slightly longer reading today just to give... Um, a bit of context about how it sort of affected um, those who encountered Jesus in a new way. Let's pray. Lord, this, this morning um, we return to worship for many of us here. I, I probably um, will struggle to count how many Easter Sundays we've been to, but Lord, we come today expectant to encounter you afresh this morning. Would you um, open our eyes and our hearts to have a fresh revelation of you? Lord, we humbly ask that our hearts too would burn. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, uh, this is uh, a familiar account uh, for some of us. We come and we reconsider, or some maybe consider for the first time the significance of the resurrection. A rolled away stone, an empty tomb, and no Jesus for the women to anoint with their spices. They'd put that on hold for a day uh, for the Sabbath, and they came to do the honourable thing, as was their custom and nobody. Then two gleaming messengers with a question and a declaration. Why do you look for the living amongst the dead? He's not here. He has risen. Hallelujah. Remember what he told you. These events made no sense, though, to them as yet. They had no framework to understand such a Messiah. It begs the question, what sort of Messiah were they looking for? What sort of Messiah are we looking for? Maybe a more important question is, what sort of Messiah did they need? And what sort of Messiah do you and I need? A mighty warrior? or a suffering servant. No one anticipated that this Messiah was going to get mocked and pinned to a cross. No one expected God's victory to be born out of humiliation, suffering, 
and death. Jesus' death and resurrection, as we know, is the key to our salvation and eternal life. The challenge for us today, a couple of thousand years on, is to make sure that we discover the real Jesus and not one of our own imaginings. Reports from the women of an empty tube caused people to think that they had lost the plot. They were talking nonsense. Peter was intrigued enough to go to the tomb. He found an empty tomb, some strips of linen. Uh, but for now, no Messiah to pin his hopes and dreams on. The invitation of this Easter is for all of us to wonder and to remember maybe to rediscover or even discover for the first time who this real living Jesus is. Luke 24 verse 13 tells us in the afternoon of the resurrection, uh, two of the disciples were going for a walk, unsuspecting Jerusalem to Emmaus, seven mile trip it was. On that journey, uh, they were joined by Jesus, but they were kept from recognizing him. Jesus asked them what they're talking about. I never really noticed this before, but they stood still. In between the crucifixion and revelation about the resurrection, maybe time in that moment stands still in expectation maybe confusion about what is going to happen next. Their faces were downcast, verse 17. One of them asked him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who doesn't know the things that have happened in these days? They share with Jesus about Jesus, his words, his deeds, his death. We'd hoped he was going to be the one that was going to redeem Israel. Their hopes and dreams for a Messiah were well and truly dead and buried. On the road to Emmaus, they encounter their real and living God. Now I'm going to draw on... Um, Three points out of a passage that has got so many points. But I limit myself to three. And the three of this, encounter Jesus in Scripture, encounter Jesus in fellowship, and encounter Jesus in the breaking of bread. So the first one, encounter Jesus in Scripture. Jesus says, Luke 24, verses 25 to 27, How foolish you are, and how slow to believe all the prophets had spoken. Ouch. Maybe my emphasis, but I don't suppose it made them feel great about themselves. Has anyone told you you're stupid or foolish? Have you? and I might have done in the last couple of days, said that to someone else. 
did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and enter his glory? This was not the Messiah they were waiting for or wanting. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Now, many of us know this stuff. We find the real Jesus prophesied and written about in the Old Testament scriptures. Many of us know that the gospel accounts outline Jesus' teaching, his ministry, his miracles, and that the implications of his life, death, and resurrection are expounded in the rest of the New Testament. The two Emmaus-bound disciples said later, verse 32, were not our hearts burning within us on the road while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? There's a deep connection with God when we engage with his scriptures. Shouldn't it compel us to want to share that with others, our children, our children's children, our children's children's children. Um, One of the privileges of my job is I've got to get on the jigsaw rotor to tell Bible stories to the children. We've got a preschool here and I'm one of the people that's allowed to do that. I love it. You can really go for it. And... um, And this is not about proselytizing or anything, but this is about just sharing stories from the Bible. And it's over to God and what he does with these seeds that are planted. And for some, it won't make any sense to them ever. But maybe, just maybe, like on the road to Emmaus, God will bring life to some of these seeds. With my own children... I used to love sharing Bible stories with them. Lots of Bible stories. For some of my children, they've allowed the seed to grow. Maybe for some of them, it's a little bit dormant for this time. I praise God that they know these stories that I hope and pray soon God will breathe into life. We did a baptism here last year, um, uh, a whole family. Um, and it was led, actually, by the two children. I think we were about seven or eight at the time. We'd gone on about baptism, and they said, we want to be baptized, and the whole household was baptized. You could have written about it in the Scriptures. It's one of those, really. But uh, they still come to the church, and um, a couple of these boys are getting baptized. I don't know whether it was just before or after, but they noticed on the shelf... Uh, that we'd got some children's Bibles. And uh, like it's not a normal thing for children to ask for a Bible, I wouldn't have thought. And it's probably the book that collects most dust in many of our homes. But they asked for Bibles and we gave them one each. It was a prized possession. I saw one of these boys in church today, so I thought before sharing this story, I'm going to test. They've read those Bibles. I think it still gets read every single night. And it's had a transformative effect on them. And I'm not bigging this up too much, but they're still doing it. So I just, I'm, so I, I said 
said about it. He says, well, I, he says, yeah, I, I like the stories in the Bible. He said, I'll tell you one about two brothers, he said. And one of them took the money and he went and spent it. He spent it all and he had nothing left. This was just this morning. And the other one stayed at home. And when he had nothing, he returned to his father. And his father was there to welcome him and embraced him. Now, if that's the only Bible story that child ever remembers, it's a good one because it's a message for you and me. There's a waiting father, a loving father. And when we've messed up, he wants to embrace us and run towards us. I want to pray for each of us that as we read, hear, and understand the Scriptures, our hearts will be set on fire with the knowledge and love of God enough to want to give others the opportunity to do the same. My second point, encounter Jesus in fellowship. An encounter with the real Jesus will bring challenge and transformation in our lives. Our lives are to conform to his pattern for living and won't necessarily always fit our preferences. God is sovereign and can break into our lives uninvited. He's the main player and the initiator. Uh, we read about this in another famous uh, walk or journey, road uh, to Damascus and the Apostle Paul having a conversion experience, God moving towards him and breaking him. Sometimes it's not that dramatic. He walks alongside us uh, and he could be doing that for a long time before we come aware of him. He's the one that knocks and knocks and knocks on the doors of our hearts, longing to be invited in. On the road to Emmaus, these two spiritually lost travelers urge Jesus strongly, stay with us. Jesus was very present. They were very unaware. Now we know about Jesus because we've heard the stories and we know that he was walking with them. I wonder with that knowledge, whether we would pray the simple prayer to who is an invisible God to us. Jesus, stay with me. Stay with us. If you have any influence, maybe now's a really good time to use it. We need fellowship and to attend worship with, with others where we can encounter Jesus. Uh, in this COVID season, it's been necessary for us to be scattered and to uh, be away. But can I just remind you of the Jesus in the rubble of a bombed out church in Ukraine? We meet the real Jesus who came from heaven. He is incarnate. We meet him in person where two or three of us Gather together. Yes, we can meet him online, but it's just not what was meant to be, and it's not the same. God didn't bring salvation at a distance. He drew very, very close. 
Hebrews 10, 23 to 25. Let's hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, and that's in Jesus. For he who promised is faithful, and let's consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Jesus did in-person encounters. You're invited. Jesus is invited. He always shows up. Third, encounter Jesus in the breaking of the bread. When he was at table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then, in that moment, their eyes were opened as they recognized him. And then, he disappeared from their sight. I'm not an expert on ghosts, but this was no ghost. Ghosts, to my knowledge, don't eat or drink. This is the physical resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's a mystery why Jesus chose to reveal himself at that moment and in that way. There's something profound in the feeding miracles of Jesus. There's something profound about him spending time over food in people's homes, often with unsavory characters. I've been thinking, some people have been praying for me, so if this doesn't work, your prayers are not... Anyway, I'm not going to go there. I'm looking for illustration. This might not be a great one, okay? But... Uh, does anyone at school have, um, I know it's an electronics kit with lots and lots of wires. There's lots of wires in there and there's a battery and there's a switch and there's a light. And I, there's a little light. I, I want to put it to you, maybe, just maybe, um, the Old Testament prophecies and teaching about Jesus the Passover suppers that they did time and time again. I like the wiring that happened just before the battery. Maybe the battery and the place for the battery could be a metaphor for Jesus' death and resurrection. Without that bit, without God's resurrection power, we have no good news story And maybe the switch at the end before the light bulb moment is a little bit like the breaking of the bread. For each of us, that might be a different moment in a different way. But there's a moment where God's spirit connects with us and we understand. Now, some of us, 
You can't see this bulb, but I promise you it's on. And it doesn't need to be burning very brightly at all for you to be secure in God and to have received his forgiveness and resurrection power. For these disciples, maybe, it was a little bit like this, and some of us have sort of powerful conversion experiences. It may be like a big light going on. All of a sudden, we sussed it out, and we met with Jesus. Hallelujah. For many of us, maybe it's a little bit more like this. And a gradual resurrection, faith building, and growing. It doesn't very much matter how we encounter God. What matters is we do encounter God. And what I'd like to suggest to you, it matters that we keep on encountering God. When Jesus disappeared, the two he met returned to Jerusalem. They found the eleven and they said, it's true, the Lord has risen. Revealed to them in the breaking of bread when their hearts were burning. This week, I've heard stories of several people making steps of faith. Maybe for some it's gradual. Some of you probably attend um, the Hymns We Love uh, sessions over the last few weeks, but um, looking at hymns. But my understanding is that these ancient hymns have come to life. The story, the Jesus behind them have come to life for several people this week. Maybe some have been coming for seven years and this has been a gradual thing, but it doesn't matter. They, through this, have found faith. Hallelujah. May it continue to grow. This week also I was privileged to meet with someone who had witnessed the baptism of their baby a few weeks ago. It's, it's a dad, and he'd not been baptized, and he was quite, um, well, very, very attentive, let's say, when all this was going on. God was doing something in his heart and his mind. He came to see him. He wanted to be baptized, didn't want to make a big fuss about it because quite anxious about being in front of lots of people. But we came chatted. It's a little bit of a grilling, maybe. It didn't mean to be. I wanted to be sure that it was Jesus, the real Jesus, that he was responding to. And he gave his life to the Lord in the week, and I was offering to baptize him there and then, but we gave him a couple of days, cooling off period, and on Good Friday, we baptized him in this church after the walk of witness. Hallelujah. My heartfelt desire is that everyone here and those that we know and love have an encounter with Jesus. A breaking of bread. A light bulb moment. It's true, 
The Lord has risen. Hallelujah.